Two Sundays ago, we continued during this uh, journey of the last week of Jesus' life with Pontius Pilate um, being brought before Jesus in a trial. And, and what we see there is that the people made their choice. Jesus Christ, the, the Son of God, His only Son, the Lamb of God, came to the earth for, for one purpose. It's to fulfill God's will to be obedient to the Father in, in loving, serving, and saving sinners. That's what He came for. But they didn't care. Even though he was innocent, even though he didn't pose any threat to anyone, he wasn't leading a violent rebellion, they still shouted, crucify him. And then the soldiers, they took Jesus, and they brought Jesus in front of the company of all the other soldiers. And they, at that point, began to mock and to beat him. They stripped Jesus of his clothes and put a scarlet robe over him. They, they fashioned a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they, they took a staff and they put it in his right hand. And in one of the most painfully yet beautifully ironic twists, they, they actually kneeled down and they looked right in his face and they said, Hail, King of the Jews. Not really knowing, again, how much is, they were trying to mock him, how much they were proclaiming truth, but they continued to insult, to spit on, to beat, and just brutalize Jesus. And then after they were done, they gave him a cross. They said, it's time to walk and carry it. And they made him walk all the way to the place of the skull, to Golgotha, where Jesus' torment would ultimately continue. All the way leading up to that one point when the cross was lifted up with Jesus and he would inevitably be put to death unjustly. And then something happened, something significant happened in that moment. Something so significant that, that Matthew tells us creation responded itself. And one could say that creation in this moment mourned and wept for what was really happening. Matthew tells us in, in chapter 27, verse 45, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. Darkness. At the time of the day when the sun was supposed to be shining at its brightest, creation weeps and mourns for what is happening. And I'm sure people that were there at the cross looked with confusion and with wonder what, what, what is going on, but, but Jesus didn't. Jesus knew exactly what was happening. And he, it, was what was, it was what was prophesied in Amos, considering the, the day of Lord's judgment. When Amos said, on that day, declares the sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will make that time like mourning for an only sun and the end of it like a bitter day. That is exactly what's happening here in this moment. In this moment, Jesus is going through the worst possible thing. Worst thing he's ever had to go through because for the first time ever in Jesus' life, for the first time ever since the beginning of eternity, his father turned his back on him. For the first time ever, the son had to experience what it felt for the father to abandon him. And what we see with creation being dark when it should be brightest is that creation is, again, mourning and weeping, and that darkness ultimately reflects how horrific what was happening was actually going on. Because, yes, it was a moment, but this was also the moment. As Ron talked about at the beginning, this was the moment that Jesus prepared for in the garden with stress, with depression, and with agony. This is the moment that he knows he has to drink that cup of God's wrath. He's at the finish line. He's, his mission is almost complete. His time on earth is coming to a close, but he knows this is the moment where the sins of the world are going to be placed on Jesus. And as that moment came, and as people looked up at Jesus and wondered 
what's going on, the darkness, may again confusion as they see Jesus taking his last breaths, as they see him getting closer and closer to death. You've got to imagine at least someone thought or said, what's going to happen? Or maybe even more interesting, what, what is Jesus going to say? What is he going to do? Right? And, and luckily for us, we actually know exactly what happened because this is actually the only time in the Gospel of Matthew where he tells us what Jesus said in his mother tongue his, in, in Hebrew. And Dale Bruner suggests the reason we get this from Matthew is because Matthew's telling us what Jesus said in this moment is so sacred that I want you to get every single word. This moment stuck with Matthew. It was etched into his memory forever, and he couldn't forget it. And I have to imagine the main reason why that was is because when he looked at Jesus, the person he had been following and gave his life to, his teacher, his Lord, he saw something in his face he had never quite seen yet. And when he heard what Jesus had to say, I don't think that these are words Matthew could have ever expected him to actually say. Matthew said that at about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? And I think this stuck with Matthew because he believed every single word and emotion that came out of Jesus. In that moment, it was not a man that he looked at that was feeling abandonment. We feel abandonment in our lives. We can oftentimes feel we're alone and that people don't care about us, but this was different. This was the face of someone who's experiencing true abandonment. And up until this point, Jesus has been able to endure everything, but he's been able to endure because he hasn't been abandoned, because he's had the Father. The, the insults, the hardships, the mockings, the beatings, he can endure all of it. But this wasn't just any type of torment. This wasn't just the next step of pain. No, this was Jesus literally descending into hell. Jesus descending into hell. It's the first time in all of creation where the, the, the Father and the Son were separated, where that perfect relationship and communion and of love was torn apart. And I think for Jesus, that was the one thing he couldn't endure. Being separated from the Father was too much for Jesus to handle. Again, Dale Bruner says something I think is just really good for us to hear, impactful, that his lifeline has been cut. In this moment, Jesus dies before he actually dies. It is his descent into hell. He, he doesn't even just, he already knows the Father isn't there, but he can't feel him. And, and you got being surrounded in outer darkness, this has also been the first time in Jesus' life where that outer darkness reflected the inner inside of his heart. So it's very difficult, the worst possible pain for Jesus to go through. It stuck with Matthew, again, in a profound way, could never forget it, and he even communicated, look, I don't even want to change the words. I need you to hear what he had to say. Matthew, again, etched in his brain for us as we talked about at the very beginning of the service. We need to be able to have the same attitude. Yes, Sunday is coming we will get to celebrate the fact that he is risen. But before we do that, we also have to put our attention and truly reflect on what happened on the cross. And as we do that, there's a couple questions that we should consider. And the first one is, is why would the Father do this? Why would the Father do this? Jesus has been faithful. In fact, he's the only one that has been faithful, the only one that never turned his back, the only one that never disobeyed, the only one that did exactly what God asked him to do. And another really important part of this is that if you're a parent in this room, I don't have to go into great detail about this, but if you are a parent, you know that this hurt the father just as much. 
For us, whenever we see our kids in pain, even if we have to discipline, we do discipline our kids, right, for good reasons, but even if we have to discipline them, it still hurts a little bit. Well, the reason this is different is because God's the only father in all of human history that says, I don't deal with discipline because my kid's perfect. And even though that was true, he still abandoned him at his, at, at the, his greatest hour, his greatest moment of need. Why? There's one reason, and there's one reason only. The reason the father abandoned his son was so that he would never have to abandon us. God allowed his son to go to hell so that we could be saved from it. God surrounded his son, whom he loved, in darkness so that he could turn his face towards us and shine it on us. I'm sure that God the Father, like any good father, wanted only to rescue Jesus and to not have him experience that pain and not have him experience that hell. But he knew, as we talked, there's no other way. He knew that if Jesus did not experience the full force of hell and the full force of God's wrath, then it would only mean that we would have to do that and we would not be able to stand and we would have no rescue. The father abandoned his son so that he would never have to abandon us. Which is why the apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And when Jesus cried out that cry of despair, my God, why have you forsaken me? As I think this is exactly when that moment happened. Jesus, who had known no sin, became sin for us. For what purpose? So that we could become the righteousness of God. So that we could be welcomed back into his loving arms for all of eternity. The father abandoned his son so that he would never have to abandon us. And when we survey the wonderful cross, this is what we need to remember. This is, the, this is our hope. This is our joy. This, this symbol that was once exclusively tied to death and destruction is now a sign of hope and love and the greatest hope and love we have because of this beautiful truth that we will never be abandoned because Jesus died for us on the cross and the Father abandoned him out of his great love for us. And as we remember this beautiful truth, this gospel, this good news that is the power of God to save our souls, another question we have to ask is is, is what does it mean for us? How does it affect the way that we, we, we do our faith? How does it affect the way that we, that, how does it affect what we believe, who we are? I want to suggest three things. The first one, when God says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When we consider the truth that God abandoned his son so that we would never be abandoned, the first thing this means for us is that we are completely forgiven and we are completely loved by God. And I want to go with each of those individually. First and foremost, completely forgiven. Right? Throughout all of scripture, what we see, the consequences of sin is death. Not just metaphorical, whatever that means, or just spiritual, but literal death. And in order for forgiveness to even be a possibility, a sacrifice must be made. A sacrifice that is acceptable to God to atone for and to forgive sins. And we know we are completely forgiven, especially in these verses, because of one little detail that Matthew gives. It's really small, but it's important. He tells us that when Jesus asked this question or cried this question in despair, that it happened at three in the afternoon. And again, it may not seem like an important detail, but this was the exact time where the priest would bring the sacrificial lamb into the temple to be offered as a sacrifice to atone for sin and to forgive the sins of the people. It's Passover week. Jesus is the Passover lamb, the sacrificial lamb, the pure spotless lamb, and it is 3 p.m., 
And so what Matthew is communicating to us here is that in this moment, God offered the perfect sacrifice in Jesus for the complete forgiveness of all of our sins. And that's what we remember at the table, is that because his body and blood were given for us, we have complete forgiveness of sins. But just as much as we are completely forgiven, we are completely loved as well. Paul says in Romans 8, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? This was hell for Jesus. Broke the father's heart, broke the son 100% absolutely. But remember, it wasn't just done out of some consequence. It was done out of love. And I want you to consider the depth of that love for just one second, especially parents here in the room. God the father offering up to death his only son, whom he loved, never disobeyed and was in perfect relation with, offers him up for death for our penalty He did nothing wrong, and he did that because he was thinking about caring for and loving you and I and us. He was thinking about us, loving us. So we are completely loved, absolutely. This was a price that the Father had to pay, and it was the ultimate price. It was absolute ultimate price. This is the hardest thing the Father has ever had to do is give up his son, but again, he did it out of love and thinking about us, which makes us have to really consider and ask this question that now that the Father has already paid the ultimate price in abandoning his son, now that that has happened, what in the world is gonna stop God from loving you? What could stand in the way? If he was willing to give his only son, what could possibly stand in the way? And the Apostle Paul at the end of that same chapter in Romans 8, it's one of the most beautiful pieces of all of scripture reflecting this truth. It says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, anything else in all of creation, anything will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in who? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. When God turned his back on the Son so that he could turn his face on us, it was communicating as clear as day to anyone who will hear, believe, and have faith in that we are completely loved by God. He's saying, if you put your faith in my Son, in Christ Jesus, Nothing will be able to separate you from my love and there's nothing you can do that is outside of my forgiveness. So on those days when we lose that battle to sin and we do it often and it can feel, it can, it can feel guilt and shame and we can wonder if we've sinned so much that God is not able to forgive us. If, if we've sinned so much that God is not able to love us. We haven't followed God the way we're supposed to so God must just want to be done with us. In those moments at our lowest, if we turn to God and have faith, he comes and meets us in that moment and says, no, 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 no. You are so much more forgiven and you are so much more loved than you could ever possibly know. I would not have given my son if that were not the case. So remember that. You are forgiven and you are loved completely by God. The second thing that it tells us is that Jesus knows what our hell on earth feels like. Jesus asking this very honest question communicates that Jesus knows our pain and suffering. I'll take it one step further. I think he understands our pain and suffering at a level even we don't understand. Because again, we can feel abandoned by God. We can feel that, like God doesn't care. But there's only one living person who knows what real abandonment from God looks like. 
And what's really interesting, as Jesus often does, uh, when he's talking, uh, sometimes, a lot of the times he likes to quote scripture. And when he's asking this question, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's actually quoting a psalm. And it's Psalm 22. And it's the first verse where David said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. We may feel abandoned by God at times. We do, and so does David, right? That's why he wrote this. But again, we have to remember that in Jesus, when he quotes this psalm, he is the only living person that's able to actually say it, and it is true, because he felt real abandonment from God. On the cross, Jesus went further into pain, into suffering, into depression, to agony and torment. Any negative emotion we could ever feel, he went further than we will ever have to walk. So when, again, you feel those moments, those days where you can't go on, you don't have the strength, and it just feels like God could care less, and maybe you even get to a point where you want to cry out, God, why? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you left me on my own? Why have you forsaken me? In those moments when we feel that, we can know that we're not alone. Jesus knows. Jesus understands. He gets it, and he's right there with us. And what's more, and this is, this is just so beautiful because of the cross. Even though we sometimes can say, I'm living on hell on earth, Jesus loves us so much. And because the Father turned his back on the Son, Jesus allows us to never have to actually experience what real hell feels like, like he did. On your worst day, at your lowest low, know that Jesus not only knows what our hell on earth feels like, but because he loves you so much, because you are forgiven and loved, you don't ever have to experience it like he did. Know that because of the cross, you were never alone. Jesus is always there right with you. He knows what our hell on earth feels like. And then lastly, in the question that Jesus asks, if you can dare to believe it, the last thing this teaches us is that we can have hope when we're mad, frustrated, or we feel hurt by God. Right? Jesus shows us it is okay for us to be honest with God, to ask these types of questions. I want to return back to Psalm 22 and say two things about that, right? Psalm 22, this is David writing this psalm. And what we see with Jesus repeating the psalm and David writing it is that sometimes I think we forget that the Bible gives us permission to be honest with God, more permission than we give ourselves at times. There, again, are times where we feel abandoned, and it's okay to feel that way. And if, when we say if Jesus did it, right, it's sometimes, oh yeah, well he's God, so it was okay for him to say it. But if David said this, if he felt that abandonment and said, felt like I can say this truthfully and it was okay, guess what? When we feel abandoned by God, hurt, frustrated, we can bring it to him as well. Because A, he can take it. And B, it's in those moments where we come to God honestly in prayer that he might, that's where he meets us and actually can change our perspective to remind us, no, you're not alone. I'm right here. I know it feels that way, but I'm right here with you. Second thing about this is as dark and gloomy and despairing as Psalm 22 is, again, believe it or not, it actually ends with hope. If I were to start singing, and I won't, but twinkle, twinkle, little star, most of you probably just said the next line in your head, or maybe the entire song. You thought about that, right? Well, well, Bible teachers will say that when people recite psalms, that they're thinking of the entire thing, not just one specific sentence, but the psalm in its entirety. And Jesus, being a very good student of scripture and loving the psalms and memorizing them, we can all but guarantee he was thinking of the psalm in its entirety. So as gloomy and as, and as de depressing as it is, this is a psalm of 
not joy and gladness of despair. All right, so we, we don't want to minimize. We don't want to, in any way, shape, or form, bring down the seriousness and the severity of what Jesus suffered on the cross. But we do have to recognize that if we're taking the psalm in its entirety, and if Jesus was thinking of the psalm in its entirety, it does give us hope. Because look at what the psalmist who wrote this ends this psalm with. It says, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. The same psalmist who said, you are not going to save me. You don't even hear my cries of anguish. You've forsaken me, concludes by saying, he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. And Jesus, if he's thinking about this psalm on the cross, yes, he can say truthfully, my God, why have you forsaken me? But I also think Jesus knew that God heard his cry for help that he still loved him, that he is still faithful. And I love, love how this psalm ends. It's because it says future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. He's done it. This is where we have hope in this horrific tragedy, is that Jesus, who's able to say at the beginning, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was real abandonment. That was real hell. Jesus felt the whole weight of the sins of the world on his shoulders in that moment. But I also wonder if he thought, he's done it. There's hope. Because the father abandoned the son, we no longer have to feel abandoned. I wonder if Jesus just, again, had hope in that moment to go, okay, Sunday's coming. Friday's, it's Friday today, but Sunday's coming. He did it. What this shows us is that even in hell, Jesus shows us that we can have hope and we can have faith that God has not forgotten his promises, that he has not abandoned us, and that he is still faithful. We can dare to have hope even in the midst of literal hell. So, when we look at the cross, when we survey the wondrous cross, know, brothers and sisters, you are forgiven and you are loved completely and more than you could ever know. Know that Jesus walks with you in your pain and he's gone farther than we're ever able to go, and know that you can always have hope even when we feel frustrated, hurt, and abandoned by God. But as we come to the table, remember that the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus was given for the complete forgiveness of our sins because of his love for us. So as we take of the elements, as we remember, rejoice in this truth. The Father abandoned his Son so that we would never, so that he would never have to abandon us. That is good news for us today. Let's pray. Lord, we don't deserve the love that you give us. God, we, even though we know this truth, even though it's what we come to worship and to sing about, Lord, and to to give our lives to, we also know, God, that we still far too often fall to the power of sin. We disobey you. God, even though you turned your back on your son, there are too often that we turn our back on you and forget that grace. But Lord, as we survey the cross, as we reflect on the power it has to save us, Lord, and as we partake of the Lord's Supper, Lord, remind us. Remind us how much love you have for us and that you gave your only son for us, Lord, and may it be a strength to us. And Lord, may we reflect on that truth as we await to celebrate the resurrection. Thank you for your love, Jesus. Amen.